0: Rock 1069.
1: Welcome to the Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. Another day of Rock 106.9's Workday Double Pay. You get hooked up with $1,000 every hour from 6 o'clock in the morning till 9 p.m. Every hour, 10 after, you get the keyword, you text it in, you win some money. Joined every morning. By Matthew
2: Fantone, buddy. How are you? Excited to be here, man. Uh, another one on the on the docket here, and hopefully we can uh, do decent at it. You can join Matthew Fantone this evening, as he will be out at
1: uh, the Quakers Steak and Lube from five to seven for yeah. is it their first bike night?
2: First bike night tonight. Um, all sorts of good stuff going down, including you can win a motorcycle. So I don't know why you wouldn't come out, man. It's a, uh, it's a it's it's a place to be on a Wednesday night. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah th- those are always huge events for the for the Lube. Yeah,
2: we've done a couple of these before, yeah. and they always turn out pretty successful. So we actually uh, hosted a bike night before we were ever ever had done the show, right? Yeah, I think that was like the first thing you and I ever did together. Yeah. There, so um, no, but it's usually a good time out there, and hopefully the weather holds off. And uh, it's hope, supposed to be pretty nice. Hopefully this will be the uh, the start of a successful bike season for us. A little
1: cooler, but no rain. I hear today because I actually have uh, I have golf on my on my docket. chief meteorologist dan stands yeah well there. i mean I like dude it. i i have the iphone you I know like what it, i mean it, and, i, like, uh, it, I get, like it we don't we don't really need the weatherman anymore i have this little button right here that just says weather Ooh, weather i open it and i get like a, a week and a half worth of weather That's right pretty there good, right yeah. there in my pocket not bad it's that actually is, not the worst
2: it's pretty good right there
1: not the worst i uh i'm in a weird spot right now what do you got I have a feeling I'm going to end up having a meeting uh, today in the building that I don't want to have. Okay. Yeah, I have to ask somebody. Somebody's asked me for something. I hate to be vague like this, but somebody's asked me for something, and it makes me nervous about what they want. And normally, when and and it's what they're asking me for is evidence to use against me. I think about something (sighs) that happened on the program. And I'm gonna have to have a meeting with somebody, and I'm not going to enjoy it. And uh, and and I think my, my boss is gonna end up getting to victory lap around the office and be like, "Ha ha! I told you! I told you! I told you!" Hey.
2: And I'm gonna have to be like, "Yeah, you were right." Even even if he's not right, even if he's wrong, he'll still victory lap around the around the office. Yeah, like, yeah look at me! I'm the best, number one. Yeah, he does. He likes. He it. He does, dude. It doesn't matter what the facts are. He just cares about the victory lap. So he does. He likes it a lot. It's who he is. Um, don't get paranoid though. You don't have anything. What do I want? Want to say there's no there's no cause like for like oh my god this is gonna all go wrong it's a little, a little worried about it but you be fine though. I don't know man. <laughs> I don't know. Normally
1: like yeah I like I you know we should probably move off of it cuz I just have to be too vague. I can't right. tell everybody what's going on. Right. I'm excited about the Cavaliers tonight though. Indeed. I uh, I think uh we probably get another victory. You know, people were saying
2: all over TV yesterday that honestly the Raptors are just going to get embarrassed over and over. Again. Um I don't know if the Raptors are going to get embarrassed. I do think that uh, the Cavaliers obviously and LeBron James in particular aren't afraid of them and until they give them something to be afraid of i feel like lebron has his confidence up right now i feel like he's feeling good therefore the cavaliers are feeling good therefore they'll probably play good and uh yeah hopefully victory number 2 tonight yeah it it looks like they're both going to cruise and by both i mean the cavaliers and
1: the golden state warriors and actually the warriors had some interesting things to say about who they're playing next we'll get into that after we get you hooked up with this $1000
2: Rock
1: 106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show on Rock 106.9. online for you WRQK.com Your next keyword happens at 710. We'll get hooked up with $1,000. Also, we have a pair of Megadeth tickets for you. That show will be at Jacob's Pavilion at Nautica. We'll get hooked up around 830 on this.
2: Let me write that down. So don't forget to do that. Do not forget to do that. No, I don't want to like... forget. Speaking of concerts, man, uh, we had that chick from Live Nation in yesterday. And honestly, I'm pretty excited about that. $20 seats all over the place. Pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, it's good. I'll end up picking up some tickets for
1: a couple of shows. That Luke Bryan show at Progressive Field, you can make fun of it all you want. But to get into that for $20 per ticket is going to be pretty good. Now, are you going to sit front row? No. But, I mean, you'll be in the venue and you'll have a ton of fun at that dollars. That's a good deal. Yeah, it would cost you more to park. You
2: weren't going to get front row seats anyway. Right. <laughs> so like, just, exactly. Just, just get your ticket and be good happy. Point. Yeah, you can get those at livenation.com. Hey, I actually just found out too we have incubus tickets to give away today. Is that right? Uh, yeah, we got some in the system here. We All can right, do that, right?
1: We'll do those at 9 There
2: it is. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. I just found that out. Is that right? Yeah, I just found that
1: out. Oh, well, good. Look at us finding new stuff to give out. That's, That's us. us. Cavs in action again tonight. Uh, you may have seen the viral video of uh, LeBron James grab, uh, pretending to grab the beer uh, from the beer vendor, and uh, he went to go drink it and then obviously did not, because the NBA would frown against that, I I bet, pretty heavily. And uh, Fox 8 News actually caught up with the beer vendor, and she tells her side of the story. Cool. I was just walking down on uh, the court, served the guys
0: uh, drink. Coming back over, and I saw Jr. kind of on the sideline. I was just trying to get out of his way, and uh, all of a sudden, some guy grabs my beer, and I look up, and I was just in
1: complete awe that it was LeBron James, and it was just amazing. He just held it up, and I was just completely shocked at the moment. So I didn't really have anything to say. <laughs> I don't
0: even think he said anything to me, but. Uh, and you said LeBron is your idol. Yes, um, I've just looked up to him his entire career. He's like an amazing basketball player, an amazing person. Um, He's just done so many great things. Uh, definitely one of the best in the record books right now. So,
1: Yeah, well, it's hard to argue that. And uh, what a moment for her, right? Like, there you are just doing your job, and then next thing you know, you're in a viral photo with the... With the most recognizable person on the planet and he didn't even have to share it like you're being shared by everybody like everybody's posting that around because it's lebron james and there you are right smack dab in the, in the middle of that photo how amazing that would be
2: yeah i mean obviously something that this girl had no idea was going to happen to her um, you know you, this isn't something you plan for um, i i i i don't have an issue with it but i certainly don't like what do i want to say here I'm not against players having fun, but when you're out on the court and it's in the middle of the game, I just feel like, I don't know, I, I, I don't feel like this was the best thing LeBron could have done, honestly. Really? Yeah, it, it's, not, it's not the same as like celebrating after a touchdown or a dunk or something like that. Like This was an in-the-moment thing, and I don't know, I just felt like it kind of, even as it happened, I don't want to say rubbed me wrong, but it just felt like, I don't know, dude, even when you're up by 20, you should still be a little bit more focused. In the moment. Yeah, at least, at least. Really? Uh, yeah. And I, I used to feel the same way when, when, when there was, you know, when the Cavs were notorious for like celebrating on the bench, when LeBron would be sitting and, and, you know, they'd be dancing on the bench. Even back then, I can remember thinking like, yeah, dude, you're up by 25 and it's fine. You're going to win this game, but. You still need to at least put on the air of uh, I'm taking this seriously. I'm still concerned about. Well, this. Well,
1: I'm really surprised because that doesn't seem to be the way it's landing for most people.
2: And you're the biggest LeBron fan I there know. is. I'm an apologist for the guy. Yeah, I'll be he, like, dude, you, hell no, here's why it's okay. Really but it, it, it did. It just and, and, and a part of that reason is, and even though I never felt worried about that last game, about Game One against the Raptors, um, a part of that concern is is that the Cavaliers have proven this season that no lead is safe with them. I think they were. That's up, true. They were up huge on an Indiana uh, and one of those Indiana games and Indiana ended up coming back fighting their way back into it and it's just like for as for as fun as basketball is and for as much as I want LeBron to be able to be out there smiling and dancing and celebrating and stuff like that it just felt a little wrong to me interesting now Dave obviously the
1: news and like you know uh, the media has caught up with LeBron and asked him about it we find out he doesn't actually really like beer
0: all that much how did that happen did you see what she was doing oh. no nah, i was i was upset at myself because i had an and one opportunity and i didn't finish the left it short and uh you know my momentum just took me to the sideline and i'm not going to run over our beer lady you know and uh and she had one you know in her hand so i took it out of her hand but not much of a beer guy she had some red wine i probably would definitely took a sip <laughs> <laughs> can't name an affiliation before you ask your question. Jason. Jason Lloyd, The Athletic. Uh, first of all, kind of piggybacking off that, there's the story of Joe Montana and the Super Bowl, seeing John Candy in the stands and pointing them out, and you've, you've had things like this in the past. Are, are you trying to keep the mood light? Do you understand what you're doing? You, you know you're going to get a reaction from the crowd. You know we're going to ask you about it. Is it something in the moment, or do you are you processing that, you know, this is going to be a thing? No, it's just in a moment. It's just in a moment. Um... I don't I don't I don't plan for things like that, man. I, I remember one time it happened in a moment tour uh, a years ago my first in Cleveland we played in Oklahoma City and um, I think I was I think it was my first thing in Cleveland or maybe been in Miami I Went towards the, the other end of the basket went out of bounds and a little kid was eating french fries And I took yeah. one of his french fries. I didn't come into the game saying I'm gonna find a kid with some french fries I'm gonna <laughs> take it now. It just happens. It's just a kind of spur in the moment and um you know, I remember last year, you know, in Atlanta, you know, I was going towards the sideline away from their basket, and it was a, it was a pregnant, lady. pregnant lady, it was a pregnant lady sitting right there, and I was like, oh, like, we need you and that baby to be healthy, let me slow down, so, it's just, it just happens, it's just, I don't know, I don't, I don't do it to get a reaction, it just kind of happens, you know, everybody's a part of the game, you guys are a part of the game, the fans are part of the game, people from our concession stands are part of the game, everybody, so, you know, why not feel, why not feel welcome?
1: I think people think differently about it when it's a French fry versus
2: alcohol. Is that why it played weird to you? No, honestly, I mean, I remember the French fry incident. I think that was when he was in Miami, and I didn't like that either. It just, I mean, I don't want it to be the no fun league. I don't want it to be like, dude, you can't do stuff like that. But especially when it's playoffs, especially when it's, you know, it's such a serious moment. And I guess I'm looking at it from a very serious perspective of me where LeBron obviously has a different view on this. Obviously, LeBron has handled these moments before you would think his view would be more serious about the playoffs than yours. Uh, but I guess that's that's a part of...
1: This is strange because this didn't land awkward for me at all.
2: This is a part of him being so great is that like I can be in a serious moment and still have... Uh, I can still be comfortable with myself. Where a lot of people, if you put them in my position right now, if you put a microphone in front of them, they're clamming up. They're like, oh, my God, this is the most serious thing right. in the world where I can be like, yeah, whatever, dude. Me and you will make jokes until, like, literally the second we turn on the mics, and then it just turns into what it is. So I don't want to say it's flipping the switch for the guy because I know that's become a little bit of a... Yeah, but flipping the switch is a real thing in life.
1: Right. You Especially I mean? when you're really good at something. That's a real thing in life. And honestly, as as a guy who knocked it, as a guy who mocked it... He's proven able to be able to do it. I don't know if they can win the championship. I just don't know if they match up well enough with Golden State. But... He's proven that when it comes time to have to win, that he can do it. I worried about flicking of the switch because can the 10th guy do it? Can the 12th, you know what I mean? Can all the guys all the way down the roster do it? I know he can do it. The greatest of all time can always kind of find that that extra level they need to get to. You know what I mean? Like those all-time greats, they can kind of do that. I, I just worry about, you know, five, six, seven, eight guys down not being able to do that as well. But, you know, most a lot of professional athletes say, do we all do it? You know what I mean? there there's just something where you know you're in a bigger game and it just happens. And so it's like, okay, you know, what I mean, I this whole like beer thing didn't land awkward for me. If I'm Great Lakes, I hate it today after he clarifies, "Yeah, I don't drink beer much." And that was the other thing. It's like, dude, you're holding an Ohio beer, bro. Like I like I would have I thought that was a little strange to clarify what you would have chugged versus an Ohio you have.
2: beer that doesn't pay him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Le- LeBron ain't giving out free love to somebody who's not paying him. Uh, that's probably why uh, he clarified it. Right, 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 right. Now, if, if, if Nike gave us a billion dollars, you and I would be a lot less likely to just start throwing around like, Hey, the first one's free. Oh, we'll do that. Yeah. He knows that what he says is worth something. And unless Dortmunder or less Great Lakes Brewing Company is going to pay him money, dude, he ain't endorsing your product. Hell no, he ain't. Yeah, I mean, because here's the thing. He was
1: caught, not caught. He was seen with beer in his hand at the Indians game. So he does drink beer.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't fault him for that. And even a lot of people yesterday were like, oh, dude, the, the marketing campaign for Great Lakes Brewery. It's like, number one, LeBron ain't going to let you use that image. They can't afford LeBron James. In a commercial. And, and, and number two, they're wildly popular. I doubt they have the money to pay LeBron James. He didn't take a drink. And it even looks like as he's holding it, he's got this like scowl on his face where it's like, oh, dude, Dortmund are gold, gross. Like he's got this like uh he look does have an in
1: the game competition kind of look on his face. Yeah, it's not exactly smiling next to it. Right, like, look how much right, I like this. Right. So, yeah, I mean, he's not hamming it up for Dortmund or no? No,
2: no. And you know, if you see, if you look at the video, you can see J.R. Smith thought it was hilarious, and like I did, I thought it was funny too. I just want to make sure that the Cavs win the game. <laughs> like, so there was a little bit of like, dude, what are you doing out there, man? If they lose the game, are people jumping up and down on him about that? Probably. Right. Take things a little bit more seriously. Maybe if you maybe if you weren't trying to, to ham it up. Because I don't think, like he said in, in, in that interview, he didn't plan for that to happen, but he knew what he was doing. You know, he didn't just grab it like by chance and grab No, I,
1: I, you know, I've heard this argument before and I like it, which is intelligent people can't be conveniently stupid. You can't just like, oh, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. It's like he he is so calculated to the point of where, I mean, dude, look, go back to last year with the fin- after the finals and the parties that he had where he had to step over Step Curry to get into his party. And, like, he sends messages, LeBron James does. And I think that this probably was a message to Toronto, like, look, we don't have to think about you all this seriously. And great teams will do this and great players will do this, and we've seen it now with Golden State, who – a couple of their players have come out and said, and I can't believe I heard this, that they were actually rooting to play the Los Angeles Clippers because there's nothing to do in Utah on the off days. Jeez. They came out and said, look, we were hoping we were going to play the Clippers, basically saying we'll beat the Jazz, we'll beat the Clippers, we'll beat anybody you put in front of us. There is nothing to do in Salt Lake City, Utah. They're talking about the nightlife. Matt Barnes said there's no comparison. There's no such thing as nightlife in Salt Lake City. And they were talking about how there's nothing to do in Salt Lake City. And I heard this all over the TV yesterday. And first and foremost, this doesn't matter to most people, is they're wrong about that. Like there's there's plenty now are there the kind of strip clubs you want and they're kind of like the ass shaking joints you want in Salt Lake City I don't know about that but there's plenty to do on your off day in Salt Lake well because
2: well, you got to think I mean being in the middle of Utah like literally anybody who wants some sort of a nightlife comes to Salt Lake City because you have no other options there's nothing else to do there no. is like it's that's just the city it's the city in the middle there
1: Park City maybe two others that's it
2: and right in Salt Lake is the one Salt Lake's and, the and, city so. So it's not like it's, I mean, anybody who's anybody in that area comes to that, to that, to that town. Um, and of course, there's going to be stuff you're to in do. town. And plus, dude, I mean, what are you in town for? Three nights? Right. Maybe like, dude, what are you, what are you, what are you going out and doing? Dude, F Golden State on your
1: days off. F them. I mean, You know, people, if you listen to the show a lot, you know I love Utah. That's actually one of the states I would choose to live in. Here, Oregon, Utah, maybe Nevada again, but I like that side of the country a lot. And so I love Utah. And if you're the kind of person who wants to go sightsee, Salt Lake City is actually fantastic. But yeah, if you want to shove dollar bills on strippers belts, it's probably not the best city for that. And L.A. would probably be a little
2: better. And let's be honest, that's what NBA guys are kind of known for. I hate Matt Barnes. I hate Golden State. I hate Steph Curry. I hate Steve Kerr. I hate all those dudes, man. I honestly, I hope they do make it out of the West. I hope they do. And I hope hope LeBron and the boys just absolutely strangle them in the finals.
1: This leads to what the problem and, and the negative stories that we heard about the NBA all year was, which is everybody kind of knows what's going to happen. It's going to be Warriors v. Cavs, and that's why resting happened, and that's why you know ratings were down and all this stuff, because honestly, we've kind of seen now the regular season in the NBA, at least this season, I'm not going to call it systemic, and I'm not going to say, oh my God, it's going to happen again next year, the year after, whatever, but these super teams and this colliding of superstars in one area has kind of led to, you know what the outcome is going to be.
2: I mean, wouldn't I mean the NBA world would be shocked if it's not Golden State and Cabs, right? Yes, I, I think anybody would be, um, but. I guess there's a little bit, don't get me wrong, there's certainly fault in the association, there's certainly fault in the players, but I think we kind of have to take a little bit of responsibility as fans, too. How so? Because w- w- the regular season, w- for years, we've just been like, eh, whatever, championships, win- are, all that win matter. Rings, win championships are all that matter. Kay? Championships are that's all that matter. That's a fair argument. And that's all we care about. That is all we care about. Nobody cares about regular season accomplishments anymore. Nobody cares about, about, about even the concept of LeBron making it to another NBA Finals. Even if, the, even if the Cavs go to the NBA Finals, I would like to think that as a fan base in Northeast Ohio for three consecutive years, we would celebrate that. But if they go to the NBA Finals and lose, people are going to have that guy's head on a spike. And that is a little bit on us. You can't get that mad at LeBron and the Cavs and the NBA for trying to give us what we've been screaming for.
1: And I'm not, it's hard for me as a performer who gets paid to perform in front of people. Now, not visually, but audio-wise, yeah. right? Yeah, Vocally. I like having somebody talented to work with. If I had somebody less talented to work with, my job gets harder. And so I don't want that. I like the fact that Fantone's talented. I like the fact that he has good points on the other side of a conversation. Because that's what helps make the thing interesting. And it helps make me better at my job. And vice versa. So it's hard. You know, as as I want to knock these guys for all grouping up together. But I totally get it. I totally get it. I'm not going to go into my boss's office today and be like, dude, throw Fantone out of here and give me somebody i got to carry up here. The uphill. worst.
2: Give me the worst of the worst. <laughs> you
1: know what I mean? I'm not going to ask for that. And you know, just like uh, like these athletes will sometimes, I'm going to want to be paid handsomely for my ability. And so we do knock these guys and these pro athletes for stuff that maybe we shouldn't. But I, I, it's a bad look for the league for teams to be sitting around going yeah, we'll take, dude, who cares? Chris Paul, one of the best point guards ever, who cares? We want that team. We'll beat them because we'd rather Party in LA. That's a bad, bad look. And uh, honestly, I, I don't think Utah can beat them. And unfortunately, here's why they knew they could say it. You can talk trash about Utah because they don't have the roster to kind of like make you pay for it. Notice people don't do this to the Patriots because the Patriots will make you pay for it. I know I'm you know separating sports there, but they. I don't know if they're going to say this kind of stuff about LeBron City and where LeBron plays because they know he'll be like, oh yeah, and he'll make you pay for it. Utah just can't do that. The king of all media has spoken out about current leadership, and I think he might be right. We'll examine that next on the Stansbury Show. Oh, six, nine. Welcome back to the Stansbury Show on Rock 106.9. You can join Fantone this evening as he'll be out at the Quaker Stick and Lube in Canton from 5 to 7 for their first bike night of the season. Get you signed up uh, to win a, uh, a motorcycle,
2: right? Indeed, dude. Harley Davidson getting hooked up there. I'm going to eat a million chicken wings. It's going to be a good night. You know what? I might have a million chicken wings too,
1: just because I don't want you to have that and me not have it. <laughs> I might have chicken wings too. Silicon 8:30, will get choked up with Megadeth tickets and 9:30 Wave Incubus tickets up for grabs. So. Howard Stern has come out and said something that has been said on this program, and I'm not saying, Howard listened to us and stole it. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that now maybe that he has said it, people might go, you know what, there might be something to that. And we've said many, many times that Donald Trump has buyer's remorse. Now, look, I'm not anti-Trump. I know some people walk away from some of these conversations feeling like I am. I'm not. I was even the guy who said, I, you know, I felt like he had a decent shot until the the math told me no, and then I was like, nah, Hillary's probably going to walk away with it. But, you know, into the primaries and all that stuff, I said, yeah, he might be the guy. But Howard Stern has come out now and said that he feels like Trump is being honest when he says that he misses his old life. And he went so far as to say nobody wanted Hillary Clinton to win more than Donald himself. He says, I've seen it up close. He's like, Trump had the kind of life that politicians want. He had all the money, all the fame, all that stuff. He's like, and, and none of the hassle. And let's be honest, Howard's got like a unique view at this because he's got more money than, honestly, what, probably 90% of the people alive. I feel comfortable saying that, maybe more.
2: Well, more than. Well, more than. <laughs> I'd say 99%. Howard's definitely a one percenter. He is. Gotta be, right? I right. mean,
1: dude, the, the satellite radio company paid him $500 million and stock options. Yeah,
2: I mean, dude, honestly, pro athletes are in the 1%. So, yeah, Howard Stern. Yeah, Howard is, has to be. He's in the upper half of it.
1: he says, dude, of course. He goes, I was down at effing Mar-a-Lago laughing about it. I said, I looked at him and said, what are you, out of your mind? What are you doing this for? And, you know, Trump had said, what was it, last week, I loved my previous life. And I think a lot of what you see with this guy kind of proves it. And that this, it all does kind of feel, and again, I'm not anti, and I'm not looking to knock the guy down, but it does feel very fly by the seat of my pants, and it feels very like, oh yeah, watch, I can do this. It felt that way. And initially, I was way wrong about this. I thought the whole thing was about setting up Ivanka. I really did. I was like, all right, we're going to try to legitimize the Trump name in in the political world, and then we'll push Ivanka through. That's kind of what I felt like he was trying to do. Now, maybe that might still be the long play. I don't know. doesn't seem like it right now. But I think Howard's a little right here that there is some serious regret because I don't think I mean, I think a guy who says about two major issues of being president, you didn't know they were going to be this tough being health care. And then he just said, what, the job overall? He didn't realize that was going to be this tough. I mean, I think if you say those kinds of things, that's you coming to the realization of, what have I got myself into here?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, President Trump is kind of in a unique situation here. I don't think anybody who walks into the office of the president really knows what they're going to get themselves into. I don't even think Hillary Clinton... Knew, even no matter she obviously had a closer perspective than most people, but until you are sitting at that desk, until you know every decision that is, is being made comes across your desk, you don't know what it's going to be like. And Trump, in particular, had a hard time with that because the dude didn't have political experience before, right? And I'm not saying like, well, that makes him unqualified to be president, I think there's a million things that make the guy unqualified to be president, but no, like, you didn't know what you were getting yourself into, and of course, there has to be be some buyer's remorse, dude. I mean, he went from just hanging out, playing golf, doing his thing, to just hanging out, playing golf, doing his thing. <laughs>
1: <I'll-> <laughs> yeah, that was nice. That was good. That Thank one I liked. You. That yeah. one I liked. Hey. All right. But here's the thing. I, I-, I want to make this clear because I don't want Trump supporters to get like all furious at me. I think Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton would be sitting here with buyer's remorse, too. I don't think you can get that job and not have it. I think there are people who may handle it better, but I think no matter who you give the job of being president to, people are going to be like, you know what, behind closed doors, this kind of sucks. It, it's, I yeah. mean, it's a very difficult yeah. job. It's, it's thankless on some level. and you oh, And th- this is the thing I've said about Trump from the beginning about being president. I think we're going to see more craziness when he's done. Because I don't think he's thought about how... Dude, you're always president. You're never not president. You know what I mean? That Secret Service, that stuff, it's with you forever. And I I think it's going to be interesting to see. Now, Howard went so far as to say, look, he goes, I know exactly what happened here. The guy, he's like, he can't say no to stuff. And he said, I had the same problem. I didn't think about what what was going to happen in my life. I wanted the announcement to be out there. Oh, my God, they're going to talk about me. I'm going to have this huge announcement about me. And Howard's totally that guy. And I could see Donald totally being that
2: guy. Anybody who's successful is at least in part driven by ego, whether you want to admit it or not, because ego's not the dirty word that we all make it out to be. No, it's, it's how you handle your ego. It, it's, it's okay to want to succeed in things, and it's okay to want to win stuff.
1: you got to be more on the side of confidence and less on the side of ego, but it is a mixture.
2: But y- you just have to be able to kind of look beyond your own ego and beyond your own accomplishments as that this is something that I truly want to do. Um, and I think there's a part of Trump that wants to be president, and I think there's a big part of him that is like, "Damn it, what, son of a bitch! I never thought I was going to win this. I thought I was just going to get my name out there. Everyone was going to, you know, pay attention to me for a little bit, and then I'd go back to increase it increase my brand, increase the spending." Right, Hillary. Uh, Hillary was in the news yesterday. She did her. Uh, she did her first like big interview. Yeah, I see. She's blaming it on misogyny now. Um. Well, it's it, she. 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 She blamed it on a couple of different things. One of the things she said was, you know, obviously we ran a flawed campaign and I'm not a perfect candidate um, she said misogyny was a part of it and she said the biggest things were the, the Russian interfering and the Podesta emails that got leaked um, but at the end of the day shut up Hillary as somebody who who voted for you as somebody who campaigned for you as somebody who was you know supporting you as much as they could go away you go away you lost I mean there's nothing there's nothing for anyone to gain by you putting yourself out there you think yet. they're gonna try to run her again no 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 no, no. I, I mean I it I mean, it doesn't work, but they've got they've got, you know, I mean, if she if th- that was probably your best shot. Of course. I mean, you can't you can't go back to a losing horse there. They've got Joe Biden if they want to. And they've got Elizabeth Warren and they've got other people. Um, but t- shut up, Hillary. I mean, just go away. Like, do 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 toxic colleges and like, hey, you know, I ran for president, but quit yeah. trying to act like you're the leader of the Democratic Party. Just make four hundred thousand dollars on the
1: lecture circuit. Just do that. That's a good life. It's a good life. You're already loaded. It's a good life. People still want to hear what you have to say. I agree with you. I think you muddy the waters. Let's find the next person to run. But I agree. I think there's a lot of buyer's remorse on on Donald Trump's hands. And I'm not knocking him for it. Because I think it's one of those jobs that you don't realize until you have it. And then it's like, you know what? If I could do it all over again, maybe I wouldn't want this. How do you think Stansberry
2: and I feel every morning about to crack those mics? Like, what did we get ourselves into?
1: Could be worse. We could be listening to it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll get you hooked up with $1,000 next on Rock 106.9. Canton's Rock Station, Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. You're getting hooked up with $1,000 here momentarily. 710 will give you your next keyword for Rock 106.9's workday double pay. Pretty simple. We give you a keyword, you text it in, and you win some money.
2: It's basically bribery. Yeah. Payday's so, a far way away, though. It's going to work, dude. And that is. It's like, what, 12 days away? Something like that. No matter how close it is, it's never close enough. You ever notice that? Of course, dude. Of course. May 3rd, we're like, dude, when is it coming up here? When do we get paid again? Once. It's outside of the 10-day forecast, dude. We don't even know what the weather's going to be like for it. Let's hope it's sunny. Fingers crossed. Let's, ho- let's hope it's sunny. We'll pay in sunshine.
1: Oh, I've heard that one before. Of course you have. They tried where, to... Where, where did it, some radio company try to get me to go? It was Florida, but it was like not a place in Florida you'd want to be. And I, I can't remember. It was like landlocked, even like I like the ocean wasn't going to be close. And the guy was like, well, you know, don't you live in Ohio? And I said, yeah. And yeah. He goes, well, you know, it, it it's it's sunny here. <laughs> I said, oh, OK, yeah. I said, you know, and, and and I tried telling the guy It was like, bro, it doesn't matter how much sunshine I have if you don't pay me enough to live there. What am I going to do? Uh, Great. I'm going to have too much sunshine because I'm going to be living outside. Like, <laughs> gotta, You know what I mean? You got to give me apartment money.
2: Yeah, dear Verizon Wireless, sorry I can't pay my bill this month. Here's some sunshine to hold you over. Let me send you the extra sunblock I have.
1: <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure Verizon will take that. Yeah, they did. That's uh, that's a big one. They like, uh, the radio business likes paying you in wherever the market is. They they, they try to sell you. Here's why we don't have to give you any money, because you're going to live in this great place.
2: How did they get us here? How did we end up here?
1: You know, somebody just asked me that story yesterday. My friend asked me that story yesterday. It's like, dude, how did that happen? I said, honestly, I didn't even know they were looking for people. The guy called me and said, hey, man, uh, you, you, we hear you're living back in Ohio. Do you have any interest in doing this? That's literally how
2: this happened. Flip side of the coin for me. I had just gotten let go and I would not stop hitting our boss up. I'm like, hey, you got that rock station. You should let me on it. You should <laughs> let me be on that station, dude. So, hey, dude, all roads lead to Rome, though. So here yeah, we I was going
1: to say, I had no idea. <laughs> here we I, sit. I was so. watching cartoons, eating cereal, phone went off, and I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. I haven't talked to him in forever. And he was like, hey, man, I got this job opening. Are you interested? And I was like,
2: yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Well, let me, let me check my schedule real quick here. <laughs> I don't know if I got time for that. I think you found it.
1: So a local criminal is going to go exactly where he should and going to stay there a long time. As a matter of fact, he was already there. Uh, Jake D. Baggett was, 24, pleaded guilty Tuesday in the Stark County uh, Common Pleas Court to complicity, listen to this, to rape uh, and gross sexual imposition. Judge Taryn Heath sentenced Baggett about two weeks after sentencing his 25-year-old wife, Alicia to 11 years in prison after she had pleaded guilty to rape and two counts of gross sexual imposition. Here's what's happening. Even his lawyer, Jake Baggett's lawyer, says, look, the evidence they have against him is overwhelming. So what had happened here is Jack, I'm sorry, I keep saying Jake, it's Jack, I apologize, solicited and encouraged his wife to engage in a sex act with a younger girl during a phone call that ended up being recorded because he was calling from jail. He made wow. the phone call right. He was incarcerated at the Stark County Jail. He was in there on a domestic violence charge, unrelated to this rape case, and then like had like coerced and talked his wife into like molesting these this young. I, I you know what it doesn't give the sex of the child, but a child. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Here it is a little later. She sexually abused not one but two girls, according to some court records, and he had like kind of walked her through it on the phone and. Uh, like an idiot, I guess, didn't realize that your phone conversations are going to be recorded while you're in prison. Like, dude, have you never seen like a jail movie? I mean, who doesn't know that? They open your
2: mail, for Christ's sake. Of course, dude, come on. I mean, who but, doesn't know but that? I, I, don't, I don't know if the guy necessarily cared. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's really what it boils down Already to. Already in jail. I want this thing to happen. What, are you, what more are you going to do to me? You're just going to lock me up for longer. Yeah, maybe. Right. And I mean, I'm not trying to, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, make an excuse for this guy. But, like, he's not the one who did it, correct? <sighs>
1: Uh, no, I mean, he coerced her to do it. They're saying
2: I she can- actually now it should be
1: pointed out she's serving 11 years. Can
2: you coerce somebody into raping somebody? I understand that there's times that you can use your power, uh, and, and, and I'm your boyfriend, I beat you up, and all these different things. But can you really coerce somebody not only into raping somebody but into raping a child? <sighs> I mean, apparently, you can. Uh- you don't like it? I do not like that. I do not like that. That takes that takes responsibility off of that woman. I, you know me. I like personal, you know, accountability and people being
1: held responsible. Now they, but she is being held responsible. I mean, they are. I mean, she's serving eleven years. They, they, you know, they You know, they had uh, they had sentenced her a couple of weeks ago, and you know, he pleaded guilty to this. And, and again, because they had the phone conversation, you can't say you didn't do it. Right. They have you on tape, right. and they don't need your permission to do it. I can't believe no. you didn't know that. And and maybe you're right. Maybe he did know it. Didn't care. Maybe he's right. just like you know what. I don't care about this at all. I um, I guess maybe I'm all right with that, Fantone, because he's getting what I think he deserves, which is more jail time.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, there should be some sort of punishment there for it. Um, I just don't. <laughs> I, 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 he isn't the one who committed the crime, so it, to me, it just feels like you're you're, you're shifting responsibility around there. And I mean, dude, do I think that 11 years is enough for raping a child? No. No, Two no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Uh, dude, honestly, when it comes to rape of a child, or when it comes to any dude, sexual crime against a child, I have zero issue with life sentences, dude. I feel like that's 100% appropriate, is that we lock you up and you never have the opportunity to get out. I'm fine with that. I just feel like with this, I mean, and, and if, if this would have been this woman acting on her own, well, quote-unquote acting on her own, would it have been longer? Would, it have, would she have gotten more than 11 years? Or is it because she was coerced into this? Is it like well, she really wasn't the one so you're telling me that that by raping a child, two children, two children you're getting five and a half years each, so eleven years that's dude that's disgusting that's that's despicable oh, I didn't even think about it breaking
1: down like that Jacob tweeting in and it says it's now this is somebody on Twitter telling me this they're saying it was their child. And, um, you know, obviously, when the news reports this stuff, they they don't give you the identity to to, to try to protect the child. And that's the one thing him pleading guilty kind of spares the kid from having to get up on the stand and testify. And again, it sounds crazy to try to find silver linings in this, but at least you don't have to relive that. As an, you know, as a small child,
2: I, you know, honestly, what these girls are going to have to go through and the the challenges that face them in life, it just feels so imbalanced right now. It just, I mean, you have a lifetime of trying to repair yourself in front of you as these girls, and and the and the and the woman who was responsible for raping you is going to be out of, out of jail in ten years. This guy was bad news. Jack Baggett was
1: bad news. Listen to this. He also faces potential prison time in a Galveston, Texas case. In 2014, he pleaded guilty to arson stemming from an apartment fire. So he let an apartment on fire. And a prison sentence has been suspended in that case, but since Baggett violated the probation conditions. He faces a term of up to five to 99 years in prison in Texas. This guy's probably never going to get out of jail ever again. And Thank rightfully God. so. Thank God. Rightfully so. And the more I think about what you said, the more I'm on board with it. If you rape a child and we have evidence and we can be proven without a shadow of a doubt, honestly, a life sentence, I'm totally fine with it. Because the risk is letting you out and then having this happen all over again. And if you ask me, that risk is too high. We're going to get you hooked up with $1,000 right now. Rock 1069. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. Make sure you join Fantone this evening from 5 to 7 as he'll be at Quaker Steak and Lube for the first bike night of the season. So head on
2: out there. You can catch Uh, Fantone there from 5 to 7. You're uh, getting people signed up for a motorcycle. Hell yeah, dude. A Harley Davidson 883 Super Low. Nice. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds badass, and you could get hooked up with it tonight. Here's what I I know for sure it means. A free motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's pretty good. You know what I mean? That's good news. So join Phantom this evening, five to seven, Quaker City. You know what? I might just come for the food. I might not
2: even say hello to you. I might just walk right by you, go right in and start eating the food. Dude, the chicken wings there, no joke. No, no joke. Joking. I would uh I would I would recommend that everybody come out tonight, even if you don't want to say hi to me. There you go. And there you go.
1: So I believe this next story is gonna have every married man chanting. USA, all right.
2: USA, all right? right.
1: We're we're about we're we're about to build in and play off the pride of where you hail from.
2: Okay, I like it. I've been wanting to sing a Toby Keith song. Is that right? Yeah, get it cranked it, up,
1: Made in America. Get it cranked up. All right. Because let me tell you, dude. There's something really weird happening in India. Okay. Okay. Now I would imagine more than one or two things, but like this is pretty strange. Yeah. So strange that I thought this was a fake story at first but apparently an indian state minister is passing out hundreds of wooden bats to newly wed women and have, has instructed them to use these paddles as a weapon if your husband should turn alcoholic and or abusive now i don't want anybody being like drunk and rude to you or smacking you around right that's awful no. i don't want that no but apparently These things are traditionally used to, like, smack dirt out of clothes. Okay. But 700 brides at a mass wedding organized by the government were given these bats and told to use them as a weapon if your husband gets out of line.
2: There there's a couple of crap things in there right out of the gate. First of all, in uh, a seven hundred person government issued wedding, that sounds weird. Awful to me. Weird. Um, I want my government out of stuff like that. Number two, living in a country where you have to beat the dirt out of your clothes, that sounds awful too, man. I want nothing to do with that.
1: Yeah, but you can get really good jobs and tech support. All you right, know what I mean? You're gonna right, be you know,
2: you know, you're gonna be fine.
1: That's fair. The nearly foot long paddles are actually emblazoned, they say, with a message that reads, for beating drunkards, and then the translation is, police won't intervene. Jeez. He says here, he told the brides that the reason their husbands first, adding that they should let the wooden paddles do the talking if their spouses refuses to listen. He says, reason with them first, but if they don't listen, take this paddle I've given you and start smacking your husband around with it.
2: It's terrible advice.
1: It's not great advice.
2: Terrible advice, dude. Terrible.
1: He said they wanted to draw the attention to the plight of rural women who face domestic abuse from their alcoholic husbands, which obviously is a serious issue.
2: Oh, especially in parts of India. You have to remember that that place has over a billion people. So, like, I mean, it is a it is it, it whatever you think about America, India is certainly on another level of it yeah, you oh know, yeah, when it comes to, like, ruralness or when it comes to. Yeah, I mean, India is a big place.
1: They say here women uh, have claimed that when their husbands get drunk, they become violent and uh, their savings are taken away and splurged on liquor this is according to you know uh the the state minister there he says there is no intent to uh, provoke women or to instigate them to violence but the bat is to prevent violence the minister has ordered nearly ten thousand of these bats phantom for distribution to newly wed women now look i'm yes i i don't want women being hit and i don't want people being alcoholics and being abusive to women but let's not pretend that some of these women aren't going to use this bat when it's not necessarily this and then be like, well, wait, it says right here on the bat, it can't do nothing to me.
2: Um, and let's be real about the concept of you can't do anything to me. Where if y- your husband is an alcoholic who's beating you, and you think like, oh, I'm gonna fight back and win this one, you might use that bat once and you know knock him out or, or have an issue. He's gonna smack it. He's gonna snap it over his and, knee, and, and, and dude, he's gonna kill you. I mean, he's going to murder you. Like that's, uh, dude. Uh, I'm I'm not trying to say that women shouldn't stand up for themselves, but if you think that like, hey, I'm gonna go square, I'm gonna go square up with my husband, and that's gonna turn out well my husband that abuses me, that is not going to turn out well.
1: I can't imagine. They say here many Indian states have launched a crackdown on liquor because uh, in recent years, they've gone so far as to uh, ban it or restrict it sale because apparently the alcohol-fueled violence in India is going through the roof. They vowed to introduce prohibition as part of the campaign to uh, win re-election, this guy did. Now, that was obviously popular with women, they say, who blame alcohol for much of the state's domestic and sexual violence. And for uh, depleting the income of poor families, because,
2: again, these guys were spending the money on booze versus bringing it home. That was a huge part of American prohibition was is that men were leaving their families penniless because they were going out and drinking. and, and, And women were a huge part of making that happen. Obviously, it didn't turn out very well here. No, no. Now, what people
1: on the other side of this are saying, all you're going to do is create a black market. Is that the moment you ban alcohol, you're gonna, you, 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 there will be a rise in the production of illegal and often, they say deadly, moonshine. Yeah. Apparently, the neighboring southern state uh, introduced a ban on alcohol sales in most hotels uh, back in 2014.
2: Man, it's cutting off a huge revenue <laughs> source. Well, and, 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 and the problem you're getting into here is you're dealing with symptoms as, instead of like the actual cause of the disease here. We're like, oh, well, if we give women a bat, they're going to be able to fight their way back. Or if we ban alcohol, guys aren't going to be able to get drunk. Deal with men beating their women. That's where the problem is. It's not it's not that, hey, you're drinking or or, or women need to fight back better. It's we need to stop men from thinking that they're able to physically abuse their wife.
1: Now. I don't want to sound too midwestern and dumb. All right. But but <laughs> but here we go. But but I but I'm gonna but how does a country or an area region give us so many doctors? And not like your answer to this isn't like the government Then, dude, if you're going to spend money, then spend money on the therapy because that's what fixes this.
2: Uh, At least a big part of it is, uh, number one, you got a billion people over there. So it's like, yeah, of course, some of the doctors make their way over here. You know what I'm saying? Like when you you have that many when you have that many numbers to pull from um, and you've also got to think, too, that you're thinking of. Ah, uh, people of Indian descent that you know in this country, like, oh man, there's a ton of doctors coming out from over there, but it's like, well, yeah, because we left over there, leaving just behind a <laughs> bunch of drunk, because there sucks despite, and here's great, just leaving behind a bunch of drunk, you know, wife beaters.
1: Okay, all right, you know what? I've never been there. I don't know. I me mean, I, you know what I mean? I, it's hard for me to have full blown perspective on India. I have never been. I could run you through like the Simpson stereotypes of yeah, it, but I don't talk like a poo. But okay. I don't feel like that's appropriate. <laughs> no, probably not. And I not. don't feel like it's appropriate for women to get. Dude, you're not even allowed to paddle students in school. Now women are allowed to beat their husbands with wooden sticks. What? USA, <laughs> USA. I'm telling you, thank God. You're damn right. This is the greatest country on earth. I like it. I like it a lot. You behave in the ballpark, or you get thrown out. That's next on The Sansbury Show. Rock 106.9. Welcome to The Sansbury Show on Rock 106.9. We have Megadeth tickets for you. We'll get you hooked up with those around 8.30. Also, 8.10 this morning, you get $1,000 with Rock 106.9's workday double pay. Your next keyword happens at 8.10. So I saw this as it was developing a little bit yesterday, and uh, we've got a little bit more info uh, this morning. Baltimore Orioles all-star center fielder Adam Jones had apparently been berated by racist taunts the other night while playing at Fenway. He says here, a disrespectful fan threw a bag of peanuts at me. And he says, I was called the N-word a handful of times tonight. Thanks. Pretty awesome, he says. And I didn't know this, but they the, the story goes on to say, Jones, one of just 62 African-Americans
2: on opening day rosters. I didn't know that. Wow. That seems low. Wow. See, only 62 black people? In in MLB on Opening Day, they say one of
1: just 62 African Americans on Opening Day rosters.
2: Now, I mean, but like, I know baseball has become a big Hispanic sport; always has been. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily. But 62 in all of MLB—that's crazy to me. Yeah, it seems very low. Yeah, that seems unbelievably low.
1: I've heard people make the claim over the past years that that interest in baseball in inner city neighborhoods is down because of how many people you need to have to, to do it and the equipment that needs versus like one basketball and you can go out there and kind of do it by yourself right. and that kind of thing. I've heard that well, argument, but I don't know if that's enough of where we only get 62 people of any one group playing a professional sport.
2: I mean, at that point, though, it, well, there's a ton of black people in football. You need more equipment. You need more people to play football,
1: not just to pick up the ball and throw it back and forth, though. You could do it with like maybe two there, this like,
2: and that game and catch. You know what I'm saying? You both got to mitt. you throw, throw game and catch around to each yeah, other. I,
1: I know. I'm just saying this is what I've heard. I don't know if it leads to only 62 people.
2: That's, that's, that's crazy to me. When you consider it's a 40-man roster and there's, what, 30-plus teams in MLB? It's, it's, wow. The numbers seem low to me. Wow.
1: Jones says he has been subjected to racist hecklings in the past, particularly at Fenway, but said this is one of the worst experiences of his 12-year career. He says it's different. It's very unfortunate. He says, I heard there were 59 or 60 ejections tonight in the ballpark. It is what it is. I just go out and play baseball. It's unfortunate that people need to resort to those type of epithets to degrade another human being. I'm trying to make a living for myself and my family, and that's true. That's all he's out there trying to do. It's like, It's unfortunate. The best thing about myself is that I continue to move on and still play the game hard. Let people be who they are. Let them show their true colors. Now, Boston has had a pretty negative history with race. We've heard it with the owners of the Red Sox way back in the day. We've heard it with the owner of the of the Celtics way back in the day. I've heard other players in other sports talk about how they feel like, and I would imagine that this is true, where if you're on the road and you play in front of certain crowds, different regions are different, right? I mean, how can that not be true? Of course. Now, I've never lived in Boston. I have been, and I've been to Fenway, but I but I never lived there, so I don't know what the overall tone of the city is. I've now I come from Cleveland. Okay, now I have dealt with people who have moved in this industry, in the radio industry, who had moved to Cleveland and had said, "Man, I've lived a lot of other places, and man, does race not affect people here the way it does in some other cities?" Now I don't know that to be true, but I've been told that by people who had moved there. So I, if that's true, then I would then
2: I would have to maintain that 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 this is capable in other areas. Of course, dude. I mean, and and, and obviously. Um You know, people that are are heckling or people that are saying things like that aren't necessarily indicative of the entire area or even of the entire ballpark. But I can see how when you allow something like that to kind of build up, how it's going to explode in an ugly fashion. Yankees pitcher CeCe Sabathia, who used to be with the Indians,
1: says that he has totally experienced this in Boston. The veteran left-hander said it was talked about among black major leaguers. And he says here, this is a quote from CC Sabathia, We know, there's 62 of us, we all know, when you go to Boston, you expect it, Sabathia told reporters. He says, uh, before the game uh, the other night, Sabathia said, in his big league career, I've I've never been called the N-word anywhere but in Boston. Now, what I'll say to CC Sabathia is, I think it's fortunate that you didn't hear it in every other ballpark, but let's not make them. He's definitely been called that word. Didn't hear it. Yeah. Okay. So that's better for him. He says when he's with the Yankees, they have like personnel who kind of like escorts you back and forth. But he said, even like shagging balls before the game, you'll hear it.
2: Yeah. I mean, obviously you're, you're not going to go to any place and not have to deal with that, which is, I guess, kind of sad that you as a professional athlete, somebody at the top of your game um, still has to go deal with just like racist BS. Um, But I guess there is something of, well, one guy saying it in the crowd, yeah, I guess that's to be expected. But when you have so many people yelling it and being vocal about it and kind of, you know, allowing and enabling each other to do it. When it gets to the point where you're expecting it when you're going to that
1: ballpark, there's something going on there. There's something going on there. And I just, man, 62
2: African-Americans on opening day rosters, that just feels... (laughs) Love. <laughs> I mean, if you were talking about hockey, you'd be like, okay, well, maybe that's a little bit high, but it's, it's, it's baseball. Like, I, I've, I've never thought of baseball as, like, the white man's sport. You know what I mean? Like, I've always felt like there's been a decent amount of uh, people of color involved in the game. I'm looking at the Indians in my head right now, and I'm looking at, like, all right, who's the start? Or, you know, when it comes to the nine-man, you know, starting sure. lineup, yeah, uh, Michael Brantley. He's Back. black. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I can't think of another black Indian off the top of my head. I wouldn't be the guy to ask about
1: about that. I, I don't follow baseball. I'm sitting here in an Indian's hoodie and an Indian's hat, and I'm about to say, yeah, I don't really follow baseball that closely, but I don't really. It's like So I wouldn't be the right guy to ask about the rosters. But, you know, Sabathia says, you know, he goes, I was playing in Cleveland when this happened, so people didn't care. He's like, you know, you know, if I would have said something about it as a Yankee, now people are all of a sudden care yeah, because you know, and that's going to be true. People their yeah. stories are going to be, you know, hit harder depending on where they come out of. And here's what I don't get. Okay? I know this happened to Adam Jones. And it could be Boston, it could be, you know, different ballpark, whatever. It's going to happen, okay. right? Cuz I know drunk idiot sports fans. So I totally buy this from Adam Jones. What I don't get is what's going on in the stadium? Right? Like, what's going on in that section around you? If I go to a professional sporting event tonight in any city in America, and you put me in any section in America, I would imagine, and I'm going to draw from my experiences of going to games in Northeast Ohio my entire life. I have never, never sat in a section in any sporting event ever. Where if I was to say that word, it wouldn't be heard by a member of that community within earshot of where I'm sitting in that ballpark. So I don't understand how people like do this out loud and routinely don't get their asses kicked in the ballpark. I don't get it.
2: I I mean, obviously... I'm trying to think about that Indians game that I just went to, and I'm trying to remember how many people of color that I saw in the audience. Um, That's going to play a part of it. And also, even if there is a black family seven rows up from you and they hear it, are they really going to feel... Well, dude, I better get involved in this. No, they're probably more likely to feel like be quiet. They're all going to gang up on me. We don't, we don't want any problem. We don't want any trouble here. Like just, just be quiet and deal with it. And that's sad that people have to, that like that has to be the reality of their life is like, well, I can't, I can't stand up for myself here because I know that things are going to go wrong for me. Yeah, that's true.
1: I mean, honestly, if if you're a family and you got your two kids there, you're just more like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm going to have to explain this to my kids on the way home. And honestly, like, let's just get through this versus inserting yourself into what could be a very dangerous situation right. of a crowd mob mentality. right? Well, I'll tell you what is weird about sports and honestly, all art, because we do this with actors. We do it with musicians. We do it with all this stuff. But if you ask people in Boston who their Mount Rushmore is, it's definitely going to be Tom Brady, but David Ortiz, big poppy is going to be on that list of Mount Rushmore. And so it's like, you're, you love your baseball. Cause they like baseball even more than they like football. So you love your baseball and you love this, but yet you're still going to say this
2: to a player difference between black and Hispanic. Because somebody just sent me in something like Lindor, like oh, he, but I mean we're talking about a black guy, Jose, a uh, Hispanic guy, Jose Ramirez, a uh, Hispanic guy. D- I, I, I don't know where that line gets drawn with racist, Where is it like? Is brown, yellow, and black all the same? I don't know, but I, I'm happy not to know. There's some sort of difference. You know what I mean, there. I'm happy I don't make that kind of distinction. And I've always thought it's weird in in pro sports where it's like. As a, as a, as a racist person, as a racist father, you'd never let your son have the, the, the little Uzi Vert CD. You would never do that. But a jersey. But a jersey, but yeah, dude, you're out there cheering. You're letting him have that Miles Garrett jersey. For sure you are. And I don't know why that's a different thing, why sports feels a little bit different. And I think that's why there is some responsibility on athletes and on the the, the the relationship between race, politics and sports. There is that oftentimes, even though you'd like to think that, you know, black artists or 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 civil servants or something like that would be the most important way to break down racism. But I think sports play a huge part in that.
1: Well, it can. I mean, anything that can bring us together like that, like, again, art. Comedy, music... Like that kind of st- anything that can bring us together can be the end. You know what I mean? Will we see the end? We all know we're not going to
2: at least a step in the right direction, but it, though.
1: but it's a step in the right direction. And my guess is, is they're going to start to do with this, what they've done with other things where if you're drunk and belligerent, you're out. Well, see ya. Y- 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 and a lifetime ban. If they can trace this back to you, you're probably going to get a lifetime ban at a
2: ballpark. And you know what? I can't necessarily argue that at any of the ballparks. Now you can text in and say, hey, belligerent person in." Section, you know, 7, 8, 718 or whatever, and somebody will come and investigate that for you. I mean, that's, that's Brown Stadiums, Cavs games, and Indians games. So I would assume that Boston has something in place like that. But the thing is, is like, Are you going to be the person to text it? Are you going to be the person to give that guy yelling enter a dirty look? Are you going to be the person who tells him to stop? And oftentimes we all like to think we're that person, but it's like, nah, dude, I just
1: just spent 50 bucks for these tickets. You know, know, I'm going going to go to maybe three games this year. I got my kid with me. I don't want to get beat up. Not my
2: problem. Not my problem. We turned it into, well, it's not my problem. He's not yelling at me. Yeah. I mean, let's be
1: honest. That's who we are. That's who we are as people. I just, you know, it's unfortunate and I, I think ballparks are going to have to do something about it. And, and you can't. And again, you're the sport that's got attendance issues, dumbasses. And you constantly tell people at the start of the season, you people just don't get baseball. You're an idiot if you don't understand it. If you think it's slow, it's because you're dumb. No, maybe it's because we don't want to sit next to a bunch of you yelling this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? You'd think you'd hear it more in football. There's only 62 guys on active rosters. What are you talking? Like, why is this an issue? You would think you'd be hearing about this from football stadiums or NBA games, which I'm sure we do. I'm sure it's there. I'm interested to find that out because the NBA playoffs are going on right now, and the Celtics are in it. And so I'm very interested to hear what NBA's response to this is. I'm interested to hear NBA guys come out and say, you know what, dude, when we go into the Garden, we know it's going to happen. I want to find out. I guess I'm very curious to find out if this is a city issue or if this is just, look, they're dumbasses in America. I'm wondering if we do have a city issue on our hands. I, I'm hesitant to say that, but I'm very interested to hear what NBA guys would have to say about going in and playing at the Garden. I'd be interested to find that out. 810, you get thousand dollars on The Stansbury Show. Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. Welcome back to The Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. You're about to get hooked up with $1,000 with Rock 106.9's Workday Double Pay. We'll give you your keyword at 810. You'll text it in. You'll have a 1000 bucks. You can also join Fantone this evening from 5 to 7 as he'll be at Quaker Steak and Lube for their first bike night of the year. Bring that thousand bucks with you, baby. It's a good move. Quaker Steak gonna be lit. That'll be a good time tonight. 5 to 7, you can catch him out there. You Might even win yourself a motorcycle.
2: You might. You never know. So stop out and see him this evening. Win a thousand bucks and a motorcycle on the same day. That's a good day right there. That's, that's a, a good leg. That's a good day right yeah, there. That's a good leg
1: so before the break we were talking about this Adam Jones situation Baltimore Orioles player who uh has claimed and I totally buy it I don't mean to make it sound like I don't believe him that somebody called him the n-word at Fenway and we were talking about like you know which we both found this fact out for the first time t- today together that 62 African Americans were on opening day rosters in Major League Baseball now that may be changing now because you know you start getting in players move around things and things like that but as of opening day rosters go it was 62. And that felt very low to me. And we were talking about, like, in the ballpark, like, how did, like, I was making the claim that you would think you would hear this more with football, given the nature of the sport, and like what kind of happens and the violence and like that kind of thing, and you know what a a listener of ours Rob tweeted this in and he brought up an excellent point, and he says with baseball for fifteen bucks you're in the bleachers and within earshot to a player. You go to an NFL game, you spend fifteen bucks, you're gonna watch the game on yeah. the TV in a parking lot. Yeah, and you know what? That's a great point, Rob. I didn't think about that.
2: You're much closer to the action in baseball. It, it really is, and especially from an NFL game perspective. And if you were that close at a basketball game, your player thousand bucks, right?
1: Right. Well, not only that, but the player could run our test you. You know what I mean? Like He could come up into the stands and beat you up. That's not going to happen in the bleachers at baseball. So you're kind of behind the railing there and kind of can say whatever you want and then nothing's going to happen to you. Where in basketball, you say something like that to LeBron and he's having a rough night and he wants to jump three rows in and beat you up, he can totally do it. And the ticket's not going to cost you 15 bucks. Now people are going to get all up in arms of what I'm about to say. But you offer a $15 ticket and it will expose you to certain different different kinds of people. Not that a guy who spends twenty five thousand dollars on a ticket can't be racist, right? But he's probably more inclined to be quietly racist because he probably has more to lose and will at least think about that. Before acting out.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, a low ticket price, it, it, it allows more people to come through the door, but it also allows more people to come through the door. So it's going to be an issue there. Um, I, uh, I, I just feel like, dude, for 1,200 MLB players, because there's 40 guys on a, every team, 30 okay. teams, 1,200. Okay. That sounds like solid mass. That's crazy that only 62 of them are black. Just it blows my mind. If you would have asked me, And I had to
1: ballpark it. And I knew what the figure of players was, meaning 1,200 total. I would have guessed 500. And it's not even 100. Not even 100. 100. It's crazy. I, I mean, would have guessed five hundred, and I would have said, "Look, I don't know baseball all that well, so I don't know." I'm taking a stab in the dark. Now,
2: here. a big part of this is us buying into the stereotype that black people are athletic. Like it's a huge part of it. That's I why get, I would have thought there would have been five hundred uh, for sure, uh, right? And I mean, like, but that it, to me, it seems like you look at the NFL, you look in uh, major or at, at, at the NBA, you and it's just like, well, dude, I mean, the, the, like black people are out there, superstars of this league. Black people are out there. I mean, how many times do, do, out on the court? I mean, the Utah. Jazz Jazz are a punchline all the time because it's like, God, you can't win with three white guys out there. What are you doing with three white dudes out there in baseball, 62 black people? Crazy. I'm being told that as for fans standing up against racism
1: in the ballpark, it's like somebody sitting during the national anthem and nothing being said. Yeah, but things constantly get said about that. That's the problem. Is that when people do sit during the national anthem, I've seen videos of people throwing things at them and yelling at them, telling them to stand up and be respectful. So let's not pretend that that's not part of it.
2: And and, and, and I, I have to say that I think that there's a fundamental difference between you sitting during the national anthem, which I would never do, but I feel there's a fundamental difference between that and you yelling enter at a player out on the field. That's false equivalence.
1: Yeah. Those aren't that's it, it's not the same thing. I would agree with that 100%. I hate to keep hitting you over that with sports cuz I know some of you aren't into it, but the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers said something crazy. I mean crazy, and he's out of his mind. So we'll give you that after we hook you up at this $1000. 1069. Welcome back to the Sanders show on Rock 1069, we have mega tickets. You're about to get hooked up with those. Nice. They're bringing sugar part of that, too. Oh, such a good show. I can't wait for that one. We'll get you hooked up here shortly. Um, that was 1-800-243-7625, the number you'll need. And again, still later to come, 930, Incubus tickets up for a lot going out on the program today. So, in any business, if somebody feels as if they're not being acknowledged enough. What can happen sometimes is that they will get overly concerned with it, and they'll start to f- try to fight their way out of the little kids' table at Thanksgiving to sit with the adults. Okay. And I feel like that's what Cavaliers head coach Tyron Lue is doing right now. Because Ty Lu said something that I think is absolutely crazy. I think it's crazy. And he was talking about the challenges of being the Cavaliers head coach. Now, again, the Cavaliers in action tonight at the Q, taking on Toronto Game 2. We believe they will win. And he says that his job, he says it's the hardest job by far, Lou said. It's the hardest job but I've been through a lot of tough things in my life anyway so I just not I just try not to listen to the outside noise. He's he's making the claim that given the fact that they're the defending champions, he's got LeBron and he's like all the extra, you know, media attention that comes with it makes it the hardest job in the NBA. This is a crazy reach by somebody trying to make themselves be more relevant than they are. And Here's why Tyloo doesn't have the hardest job in the entire NBA. Nobody even thinks you do it. Nobody outside of well, even here. When people talk about the Cavaliers and what they're doing and how they're coached, what do you think happens? It's LeBron, right? You don't even think Ty Lu does anything. How could he have the hardest job in the, in, in, in
2: the league if nobody even thinks you're doing it? Now, that's, what, that's the perception, but obviously the guy still has responsibilities. The guy still is the head coach of the team, and doesn't that almost make it harder? No, I think it makes it easier because nobody's putting blame on you either way.
1: And let me ask you this question, and you know the NBA better than I do. If we were to release Ty
2: Lu tonight, how many teams call and want him? A decent amount, I would say. I mean, any any team that's looking for a head coach for sure, he'd be one of the. You could fight, you could fire uh, all the coaches in the NBA. He'd be one of the first guys called for every uh, across the board. Is
1: that right? Yeah. Now, isn't that now that feels like a reach to me? That feels like he's getting a little bit of LeBron love there, like right because. (laughs) Again, LeBron's the floor general. Let's not pretend that Ty Lue but, decides when these guys rest either. That's a LeBron issue. But
2: that's, I mean, that's in the NBA. You know, your quarterback, your your guy that's out there, whether it's your point guard, whether it's LeBron, whoever it is, they're always going to be the floor general. I think people get kind of confused when it comes to like what basketball coaches in on that upper echelon do during a game. It's not. It's not the same as they're not out there calling every single play. Like you have to have. A team that can get out there and run its sets. It's a much more fluid game than some of the other professional yeah. sports. That is true. But
1: I maintain. I mean, dude, look, they were all right under David Blatt. Fired him. Brought in Tyloo. They're good. They still win the championship. I can make the argument well, with Le- with LeBron on the roster, true or false? I could take LeBron, put him on every team that was not
2: playoff contenders this year and they automatically become that. He's an instant he's not even a playoff contender, but he's an instant instant championship contender. To me, that means then if I'm the
1: head coach, phew, bro, I got LeBron, I'm kind of autopilot here.
2: I, I, yes, I, I can understand where that comes from. But at the end of the day, your job is definitely going to be on the line well before his is. So, like, yeah, they fired David Blatt because he didn't win that championship. And they fired Mike Brown multiple times. And, like, those those are the guys who have the their balls on the line there. He says, you know, getting thrown right into the fire is part of this.
1: And that's what makes that harder. Again, like, I think what would be harder right now is to be the coach of, well, I I, I mean, I, I wish I knew the NBA a little bit better here, because, uh, like, nowhere. All right, no, I'll give you another one. New Orleans, right? So there you got Anthony Davis, who's supposed to be the second coming of LeBron, and you just pick up Boogie Cousins, and you can't win. That's a tough job. You got two superstars, bro. Why aren't
2: you winning? Are you not a good coach? But you don't have the same expectations. You don't.
1: I don't think but that's my point is that I don't think the expectations I don't think anybody's putting the expectations on Tyloo this is all about LeBron. He's the first guy to be fired.
2: He, if 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 the Cavaliers if the Cavaliers don't win a championship his job's on the line well before LeBron's is. I will say in that one facet I guess that would make it tough. Is that it, it, that if you
1: don't win nobody's firing LeBron they're going to fire you. So that makes your job tough but when I hear somebody say I have the hardest job in the NBA as a coach to me, what I'm, what I expected you to be saying is that day in and day out, you have a tougher coaching job than every other coach versus the day of you being fired would be super hard.
2: I would say if it's not Ty Lue with the toughest job as an NBA coach, it's Steve Kerr of the Golden State Warriors for all the exact same reasons where you have such high expectations. Your team is is, is, is far and away better, and now you have to get that out of those guys. And like I said, with same as Steve Kerr as Ty Lue, is that if Golden State doesn't win, nobody's coming for Steph Curry. Nobody's coming for Draymond Green. They're coming for Steve Kerr.
1: Well, again, I think Kerr's job is harder. I think it is harder because their roster is even better than ours. So if you don't win a title, it's like, bro, was this X's and O's? Now, granted, Steve Kerr's out now with some back problems, out indefinitely. We don't know when we're going to see him or whatever. But so that's, I mean, I think Steve Kerr's job is way harder than ours. So
2: because there's higher expectations, because there's, that's why Steve Kerr's job's harder. But Ty loses the easiest.
1: I yeah, because it because of the LeBron factor. Because you got the one major star. People can talk about Kyrie and this and that, and he's my favorite Cavalier. But ultimately, in the eyes of of casual NBA fans, the Warriors are an all star studded roster and people don't understand how this stuff works. And I would imagine that coaching matters less in the NBA than it does in, uh, in the other two major professional sports, right?
2: Yes, 100%. I, w- I, will, agree, I will agree to that, and, 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 and people have a problem with that, but that's how the game is played. You, you, you're not out there calling every play. And even even when LeBron does kind of take over and say, no, we're running this play, it's a quarterback audible. Like You have to, as a coach, be able to give the reins to the team that you have out on the court. And I, uh, I I I understand why the concept of having LeBron on your team boy it's got to make things a lot easier. I just I, I don't think that I, he's I, the most criticized professional athlete in the history of sport. I don't ever hear
1: Lu's name ever. I when when they lose when they win nothing. Nobody questions Tyloo. It's LeBron, 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 LeBron. And, like, great coaches who have had superstars. Like, look at Popovich in San Antonio. People give him a ton of credit, even though he had Duncan. Even though he had, like, all-star players and Hall of Fame players. People still give him credit. Ty Right, but Ty not going to get the credit... Of being the coach of the Cavaliers. And so if that's the case, if people don't think you're a huge cog in the machine of it and that you're just kind of on the sideline, kind of with the best seat
2: in the house, you don't have a tough NBA gig. Is that what people think or is that reality?
1: Doesn't matter. Perception's reality. So I would say that because how the media approaches it and this and that, that's what the reality is. The reality is is that it's not perceived to be that way and that most people, honestly, there are hotter seats and harder rosters to coach in the NBA. I could make the argument that LeBron's so good at coaching teammates, then honestly, you might even be able to make the argument, "Eh, maybe what we do is reduce games and we fire coaches and that's how we save the money. Because of what LeBron can do, that's going to be the model. Is find me the guy who can do that, who can mold younger players, grab all stars who have won other places, and get them to play in my system. LeBron's the one coaching that. You think Ty Lue smoothing over the relationships between those guys? No, it's totally LeBron James. I don't think his job's easy because again, you will be. People are going to look to the coach, and you're the fall guy forever. And people are telling me it's not. It's not a leap to think Ty Lue would get hired because of Mike Brown. I believe Ty Lue would get called. But I think Ty Lue would be exposed as not a great coach if he didn't have LeBron James. I my suspicion is, and again, I mean, I'm the guy who will tell you this. I don't know the NBA as well as I would know other sports, but my suspicion is we find out Ty Lue is an average at best coach. If you put him in any other team in the NBA, it, correct me if I'm wrong. Mike Brown's not a head coach of an NBA roster right now, is he?
2: Well, he's on. Um, uh, he's essentially the acting head coach of the of the Warriors. Warriors, right
1: because yeah. But yeah, because Steve Kurtz out with back problems he happened to be on that coaching staff but again I think people kind of found out oh you kind of take LeBron away from this guy he specializes in one thing and so that's great get him on the staff specializing in that one thing but he's not a head coach and I think that that's what you might see with Ty Lue and also LeBron kind of went in practice was like yeah we want that dude right there you were anointed by the greatest basketball player in the last 50 years you do not have the toughest job in the NBA quit fighting for attention you're in the NBA playoffs. That should be enough for you. We'll get you hooked up with those Megadeth tickets next on the Stansbury Show. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansbury Show on Rock 106.9. We're sitting on Megadeth tickets, and we're going to pass them out to you here shortly. 1-800-243-7625, the number you'll need on those. It's going to be a good show. Bring him a sugar with them as well. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, that is a good show. That's really good, Where's it at? When's it at? Looking at that right now. Jacob's Pavilion, Nautica, July 3rd. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m., but these are Beat the Box Office Megadeth tickets. We'll give them to you here shortly. I have upset Cavaliers fans. All right. Wow. You know, all I'm saying is that, you know, Ty Luce said he had the toughest job in the NBA, and I don't buy it. That's all. I just don't buy it. I think having LeBron kind of gives you... And people are like, you know, you're making the same argument of why Ty Lue's job is easy and why Steve Kerr's job is hard. Right. Because Vegas has the Warriors as the odds-on favorite. As Adam has the odds-on favorite since the beginning of the season. They basically... Get, dude, Vegas is basically given up on the Cavs outside of the East. It's, they're saying... it's Now, not that they're right. But what I'm saying is, if you lose as the Warriors with Draymond, Steph, Clay. And that entire roster, if you lose to the Cavaliers, it's perceived as you lost to an inferior roster. That's a tougher situation, in my opinion, for Steve Kerr to be in than Ty Lue. I would argue that a lot of basketball fans can't even tell you who the, who the head coach of the Cavaliers is. It's the LeBron factor. Nobody's looking at Ty Lue as like the guy orchestrating anything. What's the... There's no, like, tie-loose system. There's nothing... Like, none of that stuff's been talked about ever. It's LBJ. LeBron James. Make no mistake. The Cavaliers live and die off of LeBron James. And let's be honest about this. There's zero country pressure for the Cavaliers to win. There's pressure for LeBron James to get another title. But outside of Cuyahoga County, outside of Northeast Ohio, nobody thinks the Cavs are going to win. Everybody thinks the Warriors are going to win. If there's more expectation for you to win, how is that
2: job not harder? Uh, Okay, so Steve Kerr's job is harder. Yes. So is it fair to say Tyloo has the second hardest job in the NBA? I still say no. I really do because LeBron is the most criticized athlete in the world.
1: And so everything gets slung around his neck. Now, the reverse is true, too. When everything's going really well, he probably gets more credit than he deserves. But, like, let's we'll switch sports here, and I'll help you make the analogy. Look at, like, let's like, take the New England Patriots, right? Like, they're the staple for everything, okay? When they lose, it's not just how Tom Brady played. It's did Belichick give them the right system? You don't, did they call the right plays on fourth down? Did they do this? It's coaching gets brought into it. Where with the Cavs, it kind of doesn't.
2: I, I don't know. I think rotations are a big part of, of what happens there. And I, 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 I don't know. I, I feel people,
1: like people now, I will say pe- maybe people m- understand that less than they understand it with football. And so, for to no fault of his own, all I'm saying is you inherited LeBron James. I, you you were born on third base, Ty. You don't have the toughest job in the NBA. You were born on third base.
2: I, I think that with Belichick, you also got him into the conversation of well, is he the best coach of all time? Nobody's making that claim about Ty Lue. That's fair.
1: Now that's a fair other side of that argument. I'm just saying it's like those guys still get raked over the coals when when things happen. Where I don't, nobody's going to blame Ty Lue if they lose. Nobody.
2: I disagree. I disagree. I feel like, number one, Dan Gilbert definitely is going to blame Ty Lue, and I feel like he is a part of, uh, he's, it's going to have to be a part of it.
1: And I'm going to erase the pressure of losing your job as a professional coach as, like, why it's hard, because that's always the case with those guys. You're always one game away from being fired. It's like this job. You're always one show away from being done. You don't think sooner or later somebody's knocking on your door saying, get out.
2: You don't think that the the management of superstars is is, is more challenging just than the management of okay. the NBA
1: players? Now again, I have said in this entire conversation that this is my opinion because I don't believe he's managing the superstars. I believe LeBron James is handling all of that. Right? When he didn't want to fly with the rest of the team, what happened? LeBron got the plane, and four of them went and did what LeBron wanted to do. Does that sound like you have a head coach to me? Doesn't. Kind of sounds like, oh, yeah, 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 LeBron, do whatever you want.
2: If we're gonna put it into the, if we're gonna put it into the to the realm of radio, which I guess is what you and I are most familiar with here, of course the guy that hosts the show is going to be the person who gets the blame, gets the reward, and gets all of that. Right. But the guy who is, you know, yeah, the program director is not sitting here making you say, "All right, here's exactly what the breaks are," but he has the responsibility of you. So, I, I at the end of the day, the buck stops on his desk, and I, I think that puts him into a very challenging position.
0: Uh,
1: our situation is different because you fire the show before you fire the PD.
2: Uh, that, that's so, but I mean, wouldn't that make it even harder for him? That he's 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 not even the person out there making the decisions. He's not even the person that's out there. You know, not even the person out there running the plays. And he's the one who's going to lose his job if they don't win the championship this year. Does Ty Lue get fired? Uh probably not because this is his second consecutive NBA. NBA then what finals? are we talking about? Well, I mean... You can lose the finals and so, not lose your goals? So, so then who's got the toughest job in the NBA?
1: I still think Steve Kerr has the toughest job in the NBA. Because Vegas says you're going to coast and you're going to win. And honestly, they they the last thing I saw was
2: Warriors in six. I, I feel like all the things that apply to Steve Kerr apply to Ty Lue. So I, 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 I don't get it. I don't...
1: Now, Lamar Sharp tweeting in says, Once you win the championship, expectations are higher. And, uh, you know, again... I'm I don't think he's seen as that. What I'm saying is I don't think the NBA sees Ty Lu as the coach of the Cavaliers. I think most people view Ty Lu the way I do, which is bro, you're a hall monitor. You were born on third base. You were gonna win, they were gonna win that championship no matter who that coach of that team was. Right? Didn't they do weren't they breaking records with David Blatt still at the home? They just didn't like the guy.
2: So it does, This was about does this any, was about LeBron hiring a guy he knew he could pal around with. Does any coach That doesn't make you a great coach. Is it, I mean uh, does any coach have that responsibility? Then, if you're just gonna, if it's just going to be like, well, you're just a hall monitor. I- because
1: didn't Steve Kerr take the, the the roster he inherited from Mark Jackson with the Warriors and actually make them play better? Didn't they get better under his tutelage? I'm not sure LeBron James got better. Cavaliers have gotten better. They won a championship. I maintain. Now, again, we won't. There's no way to know for sure. But I maintain that they would have won that championship regardless. And. People like to forget this. There were now luck always comes into winning titles. It always comes into it. There were some lucky things that happened there. I just think making the statement when you've been given the greatest athlete in the sport in the last five. 50 years to say that your job's harder than somebody else's team who doesn't have it? Couldn't I make the argument that the guy in Oklahoma City has a tougher job because you got Russell Westbrook and he refuses to learn to play with somebody else? But you don't that ha- Coaching that would be more difficult than having to coach LeBron, who's basically, dude, just put him on autopilot for nine months? You don't have the
2: expectation, though. He, You, you don't have the same level of expectations. I
1: Again, I think the expectation for the Cavaliers to win the championship is only happening in Northeast Ohio. I don't think that that's an NBA thing.
2: But that's your boss. That's your team. That's everything that matters to you. Who cares what the rest of the country thinks? I mean, you. when it comes to you and your employment. The, the, the,
1: those are vastly different statements, and I would be worried about losing my job if we don't win because of what the expectation in Ohio is versus I have the toughest job day in and day out of coaching the Cavaliers. Those are different statements if he wanted to make that statement that's fine but that's not what he said I think that there are harder jobs in the NBA at head coach to be had I really do I think I could roll balls out on the gym floor and be like hey guys run 5-5 and LeBron's going to win 10 out of 10 times it's just the way it is I don't know how that's not going to be part of this right
2: I could roll the balls out and Steph Curry's gonna you know what I'm saying like I I, I I, I, the teams yes there are going to be different players and obviously LeBron is a factor unlike any other but he's just one facet of that of that equation there, there's there's a million other things to go in there it's not it's not just LeBron goes out there and does whatever he does you have to be in control of that team you're the one that's making the decisions on who's rotating in and out you're don't the one ca- who's making defensive assignments
1: don't we kind of laugh and snicker when LeBron's doing postgame interviews and he talks about how the coach had a good game plan and we just you know. Ty put us in a good situation. Don't we laugh and snicker at that? Is
2: is that us being informed basketball fans or is that us just being like, oh, LeBron's the best, therefore he's the player coach? I mean, he,
1: right? I mean, we kind of know he's played GM. We kind of know he's done this kind of stuff. He's running that organization ultimately, right? If LeBron goes upstairs and says, this is the way I want it, they're going to tell LeBron no.
2: I I think that LeBron obviously has a heavy hand as he should. I mean, you you a part of being a good boss is being able to delegate responsibilities and recognizing people's strengths and playing to them. So yeah, dude, if I'm if I'm if I'm the owner of a business and I've got a talent like LeBron James on my on my payroll, of course I'm going to give him some responsibility and of course sure. I'm going to give him some like I'm leeway. I'm not knocking it.
1: I'm not knocking it. I'm using it as to drive home my point, which is that I'm right about it, which is ultimately, at the end of the day, in Cleveland, for the Cavaliers, the buck stops at LeBron. There's not an Indian where the buck stops. They're going to look at the manager. There's not a a buck stop player for the Browns. There's a buck stop player for the Cavaliers. And Ty Lue is like the fifth person you think about when you think about the Cavaliers. You don't even think about him.
2: I, once again, I think that's I think that's us being uninformed basketball fans of just like all right, well these are the guys that are out there. Obviously, Tyloo's not doing anything because I don't see it like that. I I I I, I disagree, man. I do. I uh, I I just
1: you know. And Lamar Sharp brings up the best point ever. He says, the guy who has the hardest job in the NBA is the reporter who covers Popovich. And that's that's the hardest job in the NBA. I personally, look, I might be wrong about this. I'll make room. I just don't think Ty Lue has the toughest head coaching job in the NBA. And if he does, that's a good gig. And I'd like to have it. Well, let's get you hooked up with these Megadeth tickets. They're playing July 3rd. Jacob's Pavilion at Nautica. We'll take caller 20, 1-800-243-7625 on those and give you $1,000 next. Hang on. The Stansberry
2: Show on Rock 106.9.
1: Welcome back to The Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. You're minutes away now from getting hooked up with $1,000 with Rock 106.9's workday double pay. I'm not going to go into this whole Coach Lou thing anymore (laughs) other than to say this and then win the argument and be done with it. Somebody go down to Miami and ask Eric, uh, Eric Holstra, Spolstra, Spolstra, sorry, Eric Spolstra when his job was harder, when he had LeBron or now? Argument over. So, a big buzzword in American business is brand, right? And we hear this now even with athletes everybody's obsessed with their brand. What's my brand? And the reason why is because it can make or break you. For sure. I would say that my brand is authenticity. I may not be the best radio host, but you believe what I say because you know I believe what I say. And I have cultivated that brand over a 15-year period. At least I have tried to. That's my goal. I like being authentic.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously what you produce is important. There's no question about that. But there's also other elements that kind of weigh into that. And and that's what you put all those together, and that's what your brand is. Branding is very important. So they just did a survey of the American public about
1: what our favorite brands are. And these are the most loved. Now, I would imagine that part of that can only be accomplished through trust. You're not going to love something you don't trust, right? You're going to love your wife if you don't trust her? Probably not. Of course not. All right? So they only I only have the top 10 made available to me here. Okay. And two major competitors are sitting at 10 and 9. Ten being Lowe's and nine being the Home Depot. Now that's going to happen a lot, right? Because you're in a big space. You're the two giants that do it. You're going to hit that this mark.
2: And obviously, everybody has to uh, has to be a part of that. Sooner or later, something's wrong with your house. Sooner or later, you have to go buy paint. Sooner or later, you know what I mean. Like those are necessary. Those
1: are everyday life issues that pop up, and those places can solve it for you. Sony comes in at number eight as the most favorite eighth most favorite brand by Americans. And I will admit, I don't own a Sony television now, but when you think electronics, they've kind of been, have become synonymous. Now, I know Samsung's kind of like moved into that space really heavily. I mean, dude, you got like, they make everything now, washers, dryers, all that stuff. And I bring that up to
2: say that they didn't crack the top 10, which I... I would say at least a part of that was going to be the hysteria around the blowing up cell phones. Ah, probably so. With the the Note 7 that was, right? When the batteries were like lighting on fire and and stuff? And and you have to think, too, that these are the brands that people, I don't want to say feel like they love, but these are the brands that, you know, when it comes to whether you buy a product or not is one thing, but when it comes to, like, well, do I like that product? Do I love that product? Do I love that brand? I feel like something like those phones blowing up could negatively impact your overall opinion. You know
1: totally it. agree youtube comes in at number seven most favorite brand in america and again they're kind of in a unique space youtube because it's like the place to find internet videos i know yeah. there's others but youtube's like the big baller in that brand yeah in that space yeah. right campbell's comes in at number six
2: a little bit of nostalgia has to be a part of that campbell's is like a hug, you know what I mean. Campbell's is like your mom telling you that she loves you. Right.
1: FedEx comes in at number five most favorite
2: brands, which really? I was shocked that they would even crack because, uh, yeah, it's useful. Like FedEx, obviously having things delivered to your home is useful, convenient. Why do I feel like I have no loyalty to? That I don't brand? have a special
1: connection yeah. to it, and that. Hershey's comes in at number four. Now I would imagine that's because of the wide array of food that comes out through that brand. It's not just the standard Hershey
2: bar. Yeah,
1: but there's that
2: uh, Hershey kisses and like like I think feel much like with the same way with Campbell's where it's a comfort thing.
1: Yeah, and they're yeah when you think chocolate you do think them. Yeah, you when do you think, think candy, them. Yeah, UPS actually comes in as three. So there's Why? another shipping company. Why? Right. Get, I mean, I, I didn't. To, I didn't understand that at all. The number two most favorite brand in America, and this is should not be shocking, is Google. And this is how old I am. I remember when Google was first coming out, and like people were like making fun of the word and it was like oh my god we're now speaking like babies for major things and like google was being laughed at when it first came out and when it was like the first thing and like yahoo and those commercials like people made fun of those things and now we can't live without them you can't live without google you never could how could you ever prove me wrong without google on in your pocket you couldn't and that's one of your favorite things to do while you're listening to the program i find this to be interesting before i give you the first brand in america most favorite brand is that there's no
2: beer in here. There's yeah, no surprising. There's no
1: cars in here, which I thought that was a little
2: strange. Maybe over like hangover from when the car bailout happened. Maybe people are just less trustworthy of car brands, and a little bit of like, well, you're taking my job over to Mexico, and they're building them over. You know, there's no more made in America.
1: Well, for me, it's really because this is what this is what radio advertises really well is beer and cars. That's what I mean. That's right. what radio does right. really well. So when I think brand, those are the two things my mind goes to because it's what at least rock radio does really really well is move those two things. Take a guess for me Phantom the number one brand in America. It's got to be Apple. Apple did not crack the top 10. Wow. Wow. The number one brand in America as we sit right now Amazon. <sighs> I mean, look, dude, you have Amazon Prime. You I love, love their TV yeah. networks and like what they do for you. I don't have that stuff, but you seem to love it. Yeah, Amazon
2: Prime. Uh, I'll tell anybody, it's well worth it. Um, uh, the amount of music that you get, the television shows that you get, and uh, the amount that, or the fact that you get free shipping and handling on anything Amazon related, um, it's worth the money. But I'm a little surprised that it's 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 the number one most loved brand in America. I thought it was going to be Apple for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I, I thought the i concept would be enough to kind of move it, and like. I mean, yeah, Amazon, you can order stuff off of, but most people don't have Prime. Most people don't have Amazon TV. Most people don't have access to all those things. So I feel like a little bit of what I love about it I, isn't I, why they're getting credit. Yeah. And it's, it's got to be the trust factor of getting your packages when you're supposed
1: to get them, right?
2: Yeah, it's a trustworthy brand. I'm a little bit surprised, too, that politics didn't play a part of this just because the owner of Amazon, a pretty well outspoken uh, liberal who has been villainized, really, by the other side of, like, F that guy. Jeff Bezos, I believe is his name, right? so I'm surprised that that didn't play into it.
1: Yeah, I was surprised
2: to find that out, too. I would have had
1: Amazon in the top 10. I would have not had them as the number one most favorite brand in America as we sit today. Do we did uh, we did uncover Incubus tickets, did we not? We did. Those are That is uh, happening July 25th at Blossom? Yeah. All right, cool. Let's give those to people next on The Stansberry Show.
2: Stansberry Show on Rock
1: 106.9. Welcome back to The Stansberry Show, Rock 106.9. We'll get you hooked up with those Incubus tickets here in just a couple of minutes. That show's July 25th at Blossom. Actually, we also found a pair of Kings of Leon tickets. We'll end the show giving you those. That show August 16th at Blossom. Man. Gave a lot of stuff away on the program today. I like it. So, apparently men are not to blame for our issues. It's not our fault. Well, good. We have something going wrong with us. And it all stems, they say, from testosterone. They say, next time you see a man who's made poor judgment, don't blame the guy, blame the testosterone. Okay.
2: They say... <laughs> all right, well, here, here They
1: say is. that this sex hormone... Associated with a sense of machismo makes men confident and too confident. So a new study from Caltech studied some men, and we were either either sorry, either given testosterone or a placebo. And that's how they do a lot of these scientific studies, right? And then we were asked to solve a math equation. And so we'll ask Fantone this math equation live on the radio. You're a little bit younger. I'm willing to bet got a bunch of testosterone running just around. Just
2: flowing through my body, dude. Just so. <laughs> wait, wait. The, the guy who doesn't scream all day has more testosterone. All right, here we go.
1: Well, Frank Thomas tells me I need more.
2: You do need more. And that,
1: and that dude, I can't get in shape because the, I don't have enough the of
2: big it. Big hurt. The big
1: hurt. So they say that a bat and ball, Fantone, cost $1.10 in total. All right. And then they say the bat cost $1 more than the ball. How much did that ball cost?
2: The bat costs a dollar more. Yeah, and the grand total is ten. Our dollar ten. Dollar ten. So $0. ten cents for the ball and a dollar for our ten cents for the ball. Dollar for the bat. Yeah. Okay, that's what I
1: think. Yeah, $0. ten cents for the ball. Dollar for it's the bat. Dollar for the bat. Right. They say the guys who were given testosterone were likely to answer quickly and wrongly the way you did, yeah. which was $0. ten cents. Yeah. And they say the guys who lathered up with the placebo, lathered up, <laughs> t- <laughs> tended to take a little bit more time and guess correctly, that being the ball costs five cents and the bat costs a dollar five. Yeah. I've been sitting on this since 630 this morning and I've been <laughs> head scratching. I'm like, am I just tired? What's happening? How come I don't
2: get this? It's, 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 it, it costs a dollar more and the grand total is a dollar 10. So my grand total with the bat costing a dollar more than the 10 cent ball would be a dollar 20. Right. Okay. All right. All right. And so, like the way that goes. So, so uh, now I can blame that. I can blame that on, on on testosterone. And so they say they think it works through
1: confidence enhancement. And they say the more confident you'll feel like you're right, and you don't take time to think about the answer, and you'll just say, "I." The more testosterone you have, the more confidence you have. More confidence, you'll answer faster and incorrectly. Now, this is bad news, obviously, as testosterone is what's used in sex drive drugs. And they say, dude, this is going to lead to a bunch of dudes running around fully confident thinking they know everything.
2: Well, like that's some new phenomenon on the face I of the was, planet.
1: Come on, I was going to say, on. I don't find that development to be new in any way, shape or form.
2: So. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, but when you just go for a boom answer, of course, when you think things out a little bit more, I'm not going to blame that on testosterone. Well, they say
1: that that's just it, that that testosterone gets in your way of doing that, that it makes you overly confident about what your position is or what your answer may be. And so you refuse to think about it even because your testosterone is telling you, bro, you got this. <laughs> Apparently, testosterone your college roommate.
2: I like it, dude. Honestly, if, that if, right? if, if that's what it's going to boil down to is like you can either sit there and second guess every decision you make or you can make your decision and sometimes be wrong. All right, I'll be wrong sometimes. Yeah, you know what? Being
1: able they say this about leadership all the time is being able to make a decision in the flash. Like this is what we're gonna do, this is when we're gonna do it, and this is how we're going to do it. So if testosterone leads me to be able to do that, then I'm all for it. You wanna check out Incubus? Be caller twenty-five right now, one-eight hundred-two 7625 seven six two five. We'll send you to Blossom on July twenty-fifth to check out Incubus and close out the program actually with Kings of Leon tickets for you next. Welcome back to the Ray Show, Rock 106.9. I want to congratulate Mark Barr, who won himself tickets to check out Incubus. That show's July 25th out of Blossom. We have Kings of Leon tickets. We'll pass those out here momentarily. I do want to tell you about this. What is that? As Canton police arrested Jack Hoover yesterday, as apparently he had been driving, waving a 9mm Ruger, and was tailgating victims as he was pulled over. They also searched the coffee cup, and the center council found out it was not coffee. Turns out,
2: booze. So well, who? why not? Right, dude, exactly. Waving a gun around, people, doing yeah.
1: everything else, you might as well be intoxicated while you're doing it. Why he was not? jailed on charges of operating a vehicle while intoxicated, aggravated menacing using weapons while intoxicated, and properly handling a firearm in a motor vehicle and an open container. Violation. He remained in jail early this morning, being held on $27,000 bond, which I'm guessing he does not have or no. does not have something to put up to get it. No. Shout out to PD on that one. Yeah,
2: dude, what are, what are people
1: thinking? What are you doing? I... Thinking is what he was not doing. Yeah, I guess. Thinking is what he was not doing. So Fantone's going to be out tonight from 5 to 7. You'll be able to find him at Quaker Steak and Lube as he's uh, hosting Bike Night out there for Quaker Steak. That's going to be awesome. Uh,
2: you also will have an opportunity for people to win a motorcycle. Will you not? Indeed, I will. Well, you know what? I'm going to not take credit for that. I'm going to give all the, qu- the credit to Quaker Steak right there. Um, there's a uh, See, that's why they asked him. I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> there is a Harley Davidson 883 Super Low. Which I don't know what it means, but it seems to be badass. And uh, yeah, you could win it tonight. All you got to do is come on out. Dude, all right, so I've hosted Bike
1: Night a million times, yeah. too, right? And I'm sure you have, too. You've right. worked at a million radio stations, right? Like, you ever been nervous that, like, somebody from the, like, the motorcycle community is yes. going to, like, try to, like, make you ride one yes. in front of all
2: those people? And you're like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Uh, luckily, I, I, can, I can, you know, point to, like, no, dude, I'm just, like, a liberal sissy. You, you know, like, dude, no, I'm just basically, I'm basically a woman. And then some woman biker is going to come up, what do you say about me, bro? Ever ridden a motorcycle? Uh, I've never ridden one myself, no we so ridden, uh, ridden, ridden on the back of one you've when been I was a yo- passenger when I was younger yeah. Okay, all right. I was like never dude, your buddy pick you up on the katana and you went riding around never but dude Whatever. I'm I'm secure in my masculinity. I'll ride the back. I don't care. You'd ride bitch Whatever. I mean honestly what I want to No, but if it was like yo, bro We're about to we're about to tear ass down 77. You want to hop on real quick? Yeah, whatever. I'm secure in my masculinity I was loosely involved with a chick who rode a
1: Harley right and it was one of the greatest things ever. I mean, she was amazing. And just like, you know what I mean? Free spirited, that whole like Harley thing, right? She was like embodied that whole thing. Right. Right. And she knew I wasn't really, that wasn't really my scene. My brother rode and she knew that. And occasionally they'd go ride together or whatever. And, uh, which I was suspicious about. Is that what they about. call it? Yeah, I to say. <laughs> I was suspicious That's about. Luckily, nowadays. my brother loves his wife. Uh, but like, and I had made the joke to her once. I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'll just climb on the back, I'll ride bitch with you." And she was like, "I could never look at you like a man ever again." And she was like, "I," she's like, "You'll never get to take my clothes off ever again if you do that." I was like, "Okay, well, guess guess what? I'm not doing."
2: I was gonna say the good news is, is I'm not trying to take anyone else's clothes yeah. off with it. So, dude, yeah, whatever. If one of you bikers wanna, if you want throw me on the back seat, call me a bitch, whatever. Sure. <laughs> I, yeah, I told right. her a
1: million times. I was like, "I'd rather ride you than a Harley any day of." the week, but yeah, they take that kind of, that stuff kind of seriously. So I've actually ridden a Harley. Mm -hmm. I've ridden a bike. Mm -hmm. It's been a long time now. And um, I, ha- I did have an accident once upon a time back in the day,
2: and it's kind of scared me off. of. Yeah, moment. it feels like a broken leg waiting to happen for me. You know what I'm saying? And I don't have any great desire to do it. Like, I know really? a lot of dudes, and a lot of dudes are like, man, that's what I want to be in my life. Oh, uh, there's some know, about like, it, wind, and the, like, the rattling,
1: and the machine feeling. You do feel, I will say this about the motorcycle crowd. You feel incredibly powerful riding on the street doing that. But I, now, look, you know, people do whatever you want. But, like, I'd be nervous today. Hey, you're old. You know
2: what I mean? No, it's only at this point. Me.
1: I'm just saying, dude, with the distractions oh. and driving and phones and stuff like that, that stuff would make me a little nervous. But I don't want
2: to dissuade anybody from bike night. No, do 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 your damn thing,
1: man. Get out there. We will see you tonight. Five to seven out at Quaker Steak, Ooh. and uh, he'll be getting you hooked up with an opportunity to win yourself a motorcycle. Then we got Gay uh, Cavs game two. Landed. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you got going on this afternoon? What's your story? Well, I got to put in some uh, some serious hours here in the office. You know, okay. there are many days you can just like run right out of here. It's pretty much just, yeah. like about an hour after the show. I got a couple of requests to do some things. I'm going to have to be, be here a little bit. It's supposed to warm up around 55, 56-ish, around 2 o'clock this afternoon. Might try to get nine in. Corporate Stansberry.
2: He's going to be in here doing his Gotta thing. Gotta pull my weight. And then heading out to the golf course in the afternoon, dude. There you go. Not you go. the
1: worst life ever. I like it. Let's get you hooked up with these Kings of Leon tickets. They're playing August 16th out at Blossom. We'll take caller 20, 1-800-243-7625. You're up to see the Kings of Leon. Fishhead will actually get you hooked up with $1,000 at 1010 this morning on Rock 1069. Aside from that, we're done. Be back at it live tomorrow morning. We'll see you then. Have a great day. See ya.